Many years pass. Jacob is dead. The Israelites that came through his family, they're enslaved in Egypt, and God appears to a man named Moses. Exodus chapter 3 at the burning bush. And Moses asks God the same thing Jacob asked God. He said, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, I preach that verse a lot, but I never preach the next one. And I'm going to leave you with it. Because the next thing God said to Moses is, say to the Israelites, when you want to know who I am and what kind of God I am, tell them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and I'm thinking he's going to say the God of Israel. Because that's Jacob's good side. That's the new Jacob. If you are God and you want to make yourself known, wouldn't you call yourself the God of Israel? Wouldn't you want to be the God of their good side? Wouldn't you want to be the God of the guy who, who was changed in the wrestling match? But yet he says to Moses, and he says to you today, if you want to know who I am, you need to understand. I'm the God of Jacob, too. I'm the God of Jacob. I'm the God of that part of you that you don't want anybody to see. I'm not just the God of your success. I'm the God of your struggle. I'm the God of Jacob, too. I'm not just the God of your victories. I'm the God of your defeats. I'm the God of Jacob. God of Jacob is in this place. His name is Jesus. He's full of mercy, full of grace, full of truth. Oh, God of Jacob. Father, we come before you today, Lord, just exalting your name, Lord, and worshiping you. Father, we thank you that today, Lord, we can come before your throne, humble ourselves in our imperfections and in our shame and in our embarrassment and our sin. Lord, to ask for help. We all need help. So let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, hide me behind the cross today. Speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' holy name and precious name we pray. Amen. If you will, please turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis 32, verses 22 through 32. And as you're turning there, I want to talk to you today about the process of brokenness. To encounter God's process of Him stripping you of self-sufficiency so that you can experience a new level of his reality through your life and through mine. Brokenness is when God intervenes in your life through a negative set of circumstances to attack a flaw in your personality. There is a flaw in your humanity that desperately needs to be addressed. I think we can all relate. 
And he recognizes that at the core of its independence and self-sufficiency and to strip you and me of it. He begins a process of breaking us. And today as we read in Genesis 32, we're going to find out that there are three parts of who we are. There are three parts of you. Your body, your soul, and your spirit. So let's read together. Genesis 32. And it says this. And he arose that night and took his two wives. Now listen. If I started preaching on this, you all would probably think, wow, this is kind of a weird church, right? Two wives. I was a little bit like thrown off. There are just a few, you know, but uh, we'll continue. So it says there, his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but then and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle of that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. Interesting, isn't it? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22 through 24, here's what it reads. It says this, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful who also will do it. Your body allows you to function in the physical world through what? The five senses, right? And we know what they are. We've learned it in elementary school. Through the five senses, you are able to relate to the world around you. Your soul enables you to relate to yourself. Your soul is your personhood. The reason why you know you're you and that you're here is because you possess a soul, which is the life principle that allows the body to do what? To operate. So your body allows you to function in this world that we live in. So your body allows you to function in this capacity and in this way. Your soul allows you to function with you, and your spirit allows you to function with 
God. Now follow with me because this is a little bit of a doctoral theological viewpoint, but I just want you to, to kind of follow with me this morning. So your spirit is God, your soul is you, and your body is the world that is around you. Everyone who is born into the world is born into the world with what? With a scarred soul. Now you've heard me talk about soul ties. You've heard me talk about uh, you know, the bloodline, stopping bloodline curses and so forth. So you'll see it here. So sin has scarred our soul. We're born in sin, shaped in iniquity. We know what it says right here in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, and it says there. Here, therefore, just as through the one man's sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because what? We are all what? We are all sinners. We are born flawed. Now, that shows itself at different levels for different strokes for different folks. And because of that, there is a scarring of the soul. Some of that was transferred from your mother, and some of it was transferred from your father. And that's why we find ourselves doing a lot of things that our parents did, because we pick up some of the scarring from them. Would you agree with me? You didn't just pick up their looks. You picked up their scars. And then the scarring is increased by the things that happen to us, by circumstances that overwhelm us, by wrongs that have been done to us, and by wrong done by us. All of this adds up to the scarring of the soul. The scarring of the soul breeds independence from God. And when a person accepts Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit invades their human spirit, giving them the ability to now receive spiritual data. And so when the Holy Spirit enters the human spirit, now follow me, the human spirit, which is now infused by the Holy Spirit, invades the soul to transform it and get rid of the scars. Isn't that awesome? He wants to strip away the scars of the soul, which causes us to do all the wrong things we do in our bodies. So we do wrong with our bodies because we got scars on our soul that the spirit wants to do what he wants to heal so that we function in a way that brings who the glory that it brings god the glory and brings us good and so god must break us but he's breaking us to do what to remake us he's breaking us to reshape us He's breaking us to bring us to a better place instead of a bitter place. And trust me, this morning, this message is for me as well. And you all know that I've been preaching this messages because I think it's important that I believe that in this journey of my own life that I need this as well. So as we continue in Genesis chapter 32, we have a breaking occurring in the life of the patriarch Jacob. Jacob has a name and his name means trickster his name means heel grabber his name means supplanter his name means deceiver jacob's name fits his character in the in the bible and you've heard me say it names matter names are very very important we name people because 
We like the name. In the Bible, the names were given to explain the character. And Jacob was born a deceiver. From the time he left his mother's womb, he grabbed his brother, his twin brother, Esau's heel. We realize they were twin twins. I have a twin. We were once womb mates as well. Okay. That's for some of you that were following me today. Okay. So she got out first. And uh, she's not here today, but I did grab her heel as well, so I think I was a heel grabber. Just kidding. I didn't. Actually, what happened was my poor mom. I feel really bad for her to this very day because she got me the last of this, the six siblings and six children. And, um, you know, back in the day, back in, in, you know, before cars were even here and all that kind of stuff. And I just kidding. I, I uh, and thought it was real funny because... Uh, They're like, oh, look, you have a baby girl. She's like, oh, that's great. He said, and I think you have another one in there. She's like, what? She did not know she was having twins. I said, mom, how did you not know you had twins? I mean, you're probably clear out to here. Two seven-pound babies? That's a lot of baby in there. That's a lot of womb in there. I just thought I'd put that in there. So anyhow, you know, so when I think about my sister and I, you know, I was thinking about this last night as I was, you know, putting some of this stuff together. And I'm thinking, wow. But, you know, he, they ha- actually had an issue because even in the womb, you know, they were wrestling and they knew there was something going on, that there was conflict going on. So, you know, we, we find out in chapter 32 that he tricked his brother out of his birthright. And, you know, it becomes a crisis then in Genesis chapter 32. And the crisis is that it looks like his brother has gotten tired of him and he's going to kill him. In chapter 32, verse 6, it says, The messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to you from your brother Esau, and furthermore, he is coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. And Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people, it says, into two camps to try to make sure they didn't kill everybody. It says in verse 9, and you'll see that here, Then Jacob said, O God of my father, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family and I will deal well with you. I will deal well with you. So we sit, see there he starts right out and he says, oh God, I need you. Isn't it amazing that sometimes in the difficult moments of our life, that's when we start crying out to God and say, God, I need you. I need you more today than I've ever needed you. See, when things are going easy, it makes it real simple for us, doesn't it? But then we cry out to God when we really should be crying out to God and saying, Oh, God, I need you today. And then he makes his request here in verse 11, and he says this, Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the land of Esau, for I fear him that he will come and attack me and my mothers with the children. So, What starts to happen here? Verse 34, then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled him until daybreak. It's actually verse 24. Jacob is alone. He's alone because nobody he knows and nothing he knows can help him. He's by himself. Have you ever been in a situation where you're all alone? Have you ever felt like, man, I just feel like, The world's against me. There's so much pressure. I just feel alone. I know I've been there. 
And I know that feeling. You may have had people around you, but you might as well have been by yourself. There's nothing around you can make a lick of sense. That's Southern talk for you. Make a lick of sense. He's alone. He's by himself. He's been stripped. Now, watch this. He's got a problem. You know what his problem is? His brother's after him. And so he prays to God. And after he prays to God, things get worse. Isn't that amazing? People have said to me, I've been praying and praying and praying and praying. Nothing's changing and things are starting to, to get worse and they're piling on me and I just can't take it any longer. But after he's talked to God, somebody shows up at night and wrestles him until daybreak. And it says in verse 25, and you can follow with me, it says, Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And when he, and when he, the stranger, saw that he, Jacob, had not prevailed against him. When the stranger saw that Jacob wasn't quitting, that Jacob wasn't throwing in the towel, that Jacob wasn't giving up, that Jacob wasn't just running away, when he saw he didn't prevail against him, he touched the socket of his thigh. And the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated when he wrestled with him. Say this with me. Ouch. Sounds a little rough for me. So the man had to disconnect something and make it worse. See, when God is trying to break you, he'll make it bad. You know what I'm saying? When God is trying to break you, he'll make it bad. But if you're not responding, he'll make it worse. He's trying to move you to the core. He's trying to move your core, the thing that you are counting on to be able to deliver you. So he says in verse 26, and he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not let you go until you bless me. Okay, that means that Jacob was holding on even, even with a dislocated hip. You didn't miss that, did you? He's still holding on with a dislocated hip. He's hurting and he's holding. It's easy when God is trying to break you to let go of God. It's easy when God is trying to strip you to say, I don't want this anymore. I don't want to go through the pain anymore. But Jacob said, you hurt me, but I'm still going to hold on. He says, I'm not going to let you go. He says, I'm not going to let you go. So in verse 26, I like what it says here. Until. Look to the person next to you and say, until. And then let's say this with together, until you bless me. Wait a minute now. We all know the stranger doesn't have a name. The guy has come at night when I'm already scared, and the man is now wrestling with me, and, and all this stuff's going on now. Now, this man has dislocated me, and I've gone from trying to win a fight to trying to get a, get a blessing. A lot of things are going on right now. And how do I move from fighting for my life to saying, bless me? Kind of awkward there. Well, the only way you ask somebody to bless you is if you know they have the ability to do just that. And when the stranger dislocates his hip, because it doesn't happen until then, 
when his strength is gone, it then dawns on Jacob that this is not a human match. It's a man, but it's not human. There's more to this battle than just the fight I'm in. I'm in the fight of my life, but there's more to this battle than the fight that I am in. Something spiritual is starting to happen here. Something spiritual is occurring here. That's why he asked for a blessing. And that's spiritual. So he recognizes, and he doesn't recognize it until the dislocation happens, that this is... Now watch me and follow me. I don't want you to mistake the hand of God for the hand of man. If all you see is what you see, you do not see all there is to be seen. God may use something physical to take you to a place that's spiritual. God may use something physical to take you to a place that's spiritual. He may use something that you can see, maybe touch. There's the five senses. Taste, smell, and hear. When he's only invaded that to take you to a place that gets him to have your undivided attention. And if you try to push him off from here, he's going to touch something down there. And he will fight until you're hurt bad enough. And I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. That's a hard and harsh reality. But I got to tell you, I kind of like peace. I might be the only one in the room, but I like peace. You know, and I look back over 18 years of this ministry and starting it, there have been struggles. There have been difficult times. And in those hard moments of ministry, I have found myself struggling. And then God has got a hold of me in some uncomfortable situations. And in some uncomfortable positions. Y'all, I am not the man I used to be. And I hope and pray that I'm a different man than I used to be. My name is still Todd and God didn't change it. Bitter. I want to be better. And, and oftentimes I'll say, God, why am I going through this? Or why am, I, why am I feeling this right now? Because God wants to take me to the next level because he loves me. And he cares for me that he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He wants, he's with me. I know what his promises say. I know where he's at. Many times in the scripture, Jesus would pretend like he was going to keep going. The disciples were on the water. They were struggling. Jesus is on the, on the water and he's walking. But it says, and he kept walking like he would pass them by. In Luke 24, it says, when the disciples on the Emmaus Road walked home, they finally got to their house, and Jesus kept going until they invited him back. You see, what Jesus is asking is, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? 
do you really want me? In verse 27, he says this. So he said to him, and the man says to Jacob, what is your name? Now follow with me, and then we'll, we'll wind this thing down. Follow this. I'm not going to let you go until you do what? Until you bless me. Oh, you want a blessing? What's your name? Remember, naming in the Bible refers to your nature. It refers to your character, not just your nomenclature. We do that with nicknames. You know, I've always been tall and thin. A couple years ago, I was getting pretty big. Matter of fact, can I just tell you something? This just is an advertisement. I'm going to throw it in there. I put, I put, I'm going to confess in front of you. I put on these jeans and these dress clothes and they fell to the floor. And I looked in that mirror and said, you fat boy, what has happened to you? And I'm now back down to my size 32 waist pants. I looked at those pants. They were size 34. I, I'm just saying. I, maybe this wasn't a good illustration. Well, the only reason why I'm saying that is because, you know, I'm going into nicknames. And people used to call me bony because I was thin, because I was slim. You know what I mean? Everybody always has their, their little names for, for different things because that's what it is. Well, then when I look back over it and it looked like I was six months pregnant and I was in a size 34. Listen, I have a thin build. Okay, am I kind of digging myself out of this one? Okay, honey, I'm trying really hard. I'll keep moving on, right? Uh, so... We all have a nickname, and the nickname's reflecting something about them. So you can call somebody red because they have what? They have red hair. And, and you know, the nickname is described, so we do with what nicknames, what they do, and what they are, and we know how descriptive they are, and I'm moving on. So what's your name? <laughs> what's your name? Yeah, so translation describes yourself to me. Are you willing to admit your name? Are you willing to acknowledge that you are a deceiver, much like Jacob was? Are you really willing to acknowledge you are because that's your name? Are you willing to acknowledge that you are a trickster? Are you willing to acknowledge that you are a flawed person who has lived their lives using evil to get by because it's all wrapped up in your name? But what God wants to know is, are you willing to fess up to who you really are when you're alone with him? When you're in quiet time with him? When you're silent with him? How about this? Are you willing to confess who you are when you're wrestling with him? I understand your, your name may not be Jacob. Maybe your name is liar. Maybe your name isn't Jacob, but maybe your name is cheater. Maybe your name isn't Jacob, but maybe your name is luster. Maybe your name isn't Jacob, but your name is stealer. Maybe your name isn't Jacob, but maybe your name is racist. What is your name? What is that character in your life that is against the will and character of God that keeps him from blessing you? Let me say that again. What is the character in your life that is against the will and character of God that keeps him from blessing you? And he will wrestle with you until you say your name. Even if he has to dislocate your hip. Even if. He has to dislocate your life. So what is your name? He says, my name is Jacob. I'm the deceiver. 
Verse 28, he says, your name shall no longer be Jacob. I'm going to change your name. Meaning I'm going to change your character. But your name will now be Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men. And yet you have prevailed. I love what it says here in the scriptures. Israel. It says after that that he became the prince of God. That he became the fighter of God. Because Israel means triumphant with God. Are you following me? I know that sometimes in difficult situations, it's hard to think that we'll ever come out. In the Bible, that's called the refiner's fire. We shall come forth as gold. I think sometimes in my struggles, man, Sometimes it feels like it's heavy on my chest and I've got all this weight on my shoulders, but it's so difficult. How will I ever make it through it? God says, oh, I've got a new reality for you, Jacob. And that new reality is you're going to experience what it looks like when I run the show in your life. God prevails. You're going to experience what it looks like when I show up to turn something around. Because it's God who prevails. Say this with me. God prevails. You won't have to live your life with trickery anymore. You won't have to be a deceiver anymore. You won't have to try to fix it yourself anymore. Because I'm going to change your name. See, some of us in this room have a name called education. Because we think... Because we have a BA or an MBA or a PhD or an LBB or an SBC. Uh, Oh, sorry. That's my education, and it has made me self-sufficient. Well, I'm now going to tell you, God's going to change your name. Some Some of us in this room may have a name called money. Because, you see, we define our sufficiency by our bank account. And by our credit cards. But I want to tell you now, I want you to experience God. And he's going to try to change your name. Some of us may have a name called relationships. Because we got all the hookups. We know who we need to get to and where we want to go. Do what we want to do. But be what we want to be. But if you truly want to experience God, he has to change your name. By letting those relationships fall through. Not being able to pull off what you thought you would be able to pull off. In order to experience God, he will strip you of your name. In order for you to know that God prevails, that the spiritual trumps the physical, and that you and I are not sufficient within ourselves, verse 29 reads, then Jacob Asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. Listen to the man's response. But he said, why is that you ask me my name? See, a lot of us get like Marvin Gaye. What's going on? God said, you ought to know by now, everything you've done, everything you've tried, I've done blocked. Every contact you made, I've stopped. Every time you think you don't have any more debts, I let something else break down. You ought to know by now, you ought to know by now, you ought to know my name by now. It ought to be very clear to you who you are dealing with. 
And so it dawned on him. So Jacob named the place. So now, you know, the doxology comes and the choir singing and great things are starting to take place in Jacob's life. And then I'll wrap this all up. So Jacob names this place. And it says in verse 30, so Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. I have seen God. Look to your neighbor and say, I have seen God. He knew his name now, right? So Jacob names the place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God. And he knows him. He knew his name now. He has seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Because let's be real, God could have killed him like that. See, if you only knew what God could do that he didn't do, doesn't do, some of us should be dead right now. But because of his goodness, because of his grace... And because of his unmerited favor and the favor of God, he brought you out, brought you through when you were thinking you were going to lose your mind. And so he said, I've seen God face to face and I'm alive to talk about it. So if you're still here, he isn't finished. But here's where it gets good. Here's where it gets good. Let's bring it to a close. Here's where we start to see it gets good. And in verse 31, it says, The sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Peniel, and he was limping on his thigh. I love, now, I just discovered this. I didn't know this. I've read it, but it was never my focus. And in verse 31, you know, I'm sorry, but in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21, it says that when he blessed his grandchildren in order to bring them blessing, he had to lean on his staff. So years later, he's still limping. Years later, he's still limping. So if Jacob came to the stage today, and you say, why are you limping? Jacob would have to say to each and every one of us in this room, I'm limping because I've been blessed. I'm limping because I've been blessed. This is my God story, and this is my testimony. Because you see, just a few years ago, I was self-sufficient. I was independent. You see, I did all these things by myself. All this happened by myself. God broke me down. He separated my sock. And every time I get up and try to go somewhere, I'm reminded about my weakness. I'm reminded about my dependency on God. I'm reminded that I cannot make it without Him. Every step I take, every move I make, sounds like a song, does it? God is reminding me, you better not get a big head. You better not get a bobblehead. Settle down. Because guess what? If you do, oh, you have another hip that I can dislocate. I can dislocate another one if I have to. So you better remember, you are totally dependent on him. And so he says, I've been blessed. But what was the blessing? When he said, I want to be blessed, he wasn't talking about something general. He wasn't talking about verse 13, where he says, you promised that you would make me a great name and you would give me a great land. You see, your blessing is something God has already planned to do in the past that he's not free to do yet. Because you are not broke down far enough for him to be free to do it. So you see, the blessing isn't something new. It's something old that becomes new to you. 
that becomes new to you. That becomes new to you. Only when you are ready and willing to receive it. Some of us in here need to start limping and saying, God, I'm going to break my own socket so you don't have to break my socket so that I could be totally dependent on you. You're going to walk out of the church today and say, well, what did we learn from pastor? He said, go out and break our socket. That's not what the message was about today. He takes us through difficult times and he reminds us of the pain and he gives us stories so that we know within our life what it's like. You know, I was, I was thinking about this last evening. And in Jacob's life, his life kind of resents, represents a piggy bank. Many times we have piggy banks, and I have something that's up here that's an antique, probably older than I am. And maybe I shouldn't present it to the church because we know there was a name change. But I thought it was very, very befitting for me to share this with you. We've all had piggy banks. We've filled money into the piggy banks. We've done all kinds of things in the piggy banks. We pick it up, we shake it around, and, and uh, sometimes we try to shake out the money because we can. How many of you had a, a little piggy bank when you were younger? How many of you had those banks that when you put the money in, you could never get it out? Who created those things? Me and my brother Gary, we both had, yes, yes, look at the name, Indians. Thank you. I knew you'd appreciate this, Patrick. So, we know now that they're the gladiators, the guardians, the Gumphreys, the, you know, I'm not making fun of them, but I'm still an Indians fan, right? I can't keep up with who they are because that's just the way it goes. But you know what this is? This is a piggy bank that was owned by my grandmother. And when we were little boys, we received this great gift. And this great gift was full of money. Now, you have to remember, I was born in 1970, so that makes me 53 years of age. And back in 1970, you could buy a candy bar literally for 20 cents. A whatchamacallit, matter of fact. And I loved whatchamacallits. And my brother and I, because, you know, we're boys and that's what boys do, we kept looking at these piggy banks and every time the Indians would win a game, Grandma would put a coin into the, into the bank, into the Chief Wahoo Bank. And so he has the other one without the feather. And uh, we would always look at him. But here's something else we would do. We'd always pick him up and then we would shake him. And we always wondered how much money was in there. Curious minds want to know, right? So we would shake it. And now this, I just put a dime in here, right? There's just one dime. So don't please break my prized possession because it's already been broken by me. Anyhow, uh, so my brother and I said, okay, we know what we're going to do. So we turn it upside down and we're trying to shake out all the money. Well, if you'll notice, that's not going to work. And so all I wanted, I didn't want one whatchamacallit. I wanted several whatchamacallits. You know what I'm saying? Are you with me? Okay, so I ended up taking this. So my brother and I, we went out and we grabbed a hammer. And unfortunately... This probably isn't worth much because I can show you that in this bank, there are cracks. So what 
young boys do, they take a hammer and they break it so that the money falls out. We didn't understand the value of Chief Wahoo. We didn't understand the value of the bank. You see, it's much like Jacob's life. Jacob was a value. Jacob was important. But God had a way of shaking him up, grabbing the hammer, breaking it open, and reshaping his life. And when he glued him back together, he became a perfect replica of what God, his master, wanted him to be. Much like this, you can't tell this was broken. So as a teenager, well, maybe I can't confess that I was probably 13 years old and I did this. 13. I should have been like 8 doing that, not 13, but hey, what you call its head was calling me. And, uh, but I want you to see the picture of this demonstration. God will shake you up. He will rattle you. He may break you. But I want you to know, church, that when he puts you back together, and if you won't give up on him, and if you'll put your faith and trust in him, much like Jacob did, you will come forth better than you've ever seen. See, God will always give you double for your trouble. That's the sovereignty and love of God. Now, let me explain something to you, and then we will all close. I love that in this narrative, now watch this. God blessed Jacob and called his name, right, he called his name Israel. Do you understand that even though he called his name Israel, do you know that if you look in the scriptures after Genesis and if we go right into Moses, that he said, oh, listen, you are the God of Abraham, you're the God of Isaac, and you're the God of God never forgets you. Do you understand how valuable you are? Do you understand that even though what you're going through, he knows your name. You're valuable to him. And even though we see that he said you are now blessed, and this will be a place that you will always remember these these things You'll remember how you wrestled and and the struggle you went through because that's your story. God may shake you up, but God wants to redefine who you are. God wants to make you better and not bitter. He wants to take you to places you've never been before because you are valuable to Him. So as we stand to our feet, And as we close, I think Jacob was truly saying this, that I was so impacted by this whole situation. And I think it's a little bizarre, but believe it or not, I know we look at Jacob being young then, but he was in his 90s and he was wrestling with God. God's never done with any of us, no matter what age we're in. But he said, I met God and God took me to a new level. And that's what God wants from each and every one of us. He wants for each of us to have a divine encounter with him that takes us above the normal and the ordinary and runs a smack dab into the extraordinary. 
You see, the Bible is full of so many divine encounters. Moses encountered God at the burning bush. Abraham encountered God when he was told to do the unthinkable, to sacrifice his own son. Elijah encountered God when God provided through a widow and an unexpected source. Jacob encountered God when he had to wrestle and get his name changed and his character fixed. So church, I want you today Look for God to give you the opportunity to encounter Him. It will not come through the normal. It will come through the extraordinary. It will come through the unexpected. But it's always designed to give you a bigger, more personal experience with Him. A divine, supernatural experience. Look for yours. Because I know in mine... It changed my life forever, and it will change your life forever. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? And if you don't, come to know him today. Maybe he's been shaking you. Maybe he's been stretching you. Whatever he's going through, I want you to come to the altar. It's always open. If you don't know Jesus, come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Come and redefine your life. Come and say, God, here I am. Use me. Mold me. Lord, I'm yours. I transfer. I surrender everything to you. God, put my pieces back together. Make me better than I've ever been before. Because I'm here to encourage you, you don't have to get bitter. You can be better. You know why? He knows you. And he knows your name. Father God, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for shaking us up. Thank you for breaking us up. Father, thank you for rattling us. And Father, thank you for putting us through some of the things we've done. But God, I know on the other side, there's going to be more blessings than we can even receive. Because God, you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God, we acknowledge you and we praise you today. And Father God, we pray that you'll stir within our spirits today, God. Help us be better, not bitter. God, may we find victory. May we walk in freedom in you and through you. God, we love you. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who came, who died, and who rose the third day to give us hope and life. Father, as we sing this last song, as we close out the service, Father, we behold your glory. We behold the lamb that was slain for us. God, we thank you for putting us back together. Father, we give you the glory. Thank you for some of the pain. Thank you for some of the uncomfortable moments of our life. Thank you, God, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you for being with Jacob in the midst of his struggle. Thank you for his turning point. Turn our lives around, God. Turn us around. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.